All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting started with a live airing of Surreal Politiques. Uh, and if you are on uh, either of those radio stations of ours there, uh, you have nothing to worry about because it's Surreal Politiques. We're not going to be cursing up a storm here today, which we, uh, you know, sometimes we do that on the other show, but not not here. You know, every, when we do it here, it's by accident, you know. So why don't we go ahead? We'll get our video streams beginning. We'll go ahead and start those video streams. And we'll go make sure that they're working because you know what? We do everything right around here, but we are not everybody. And not everybody does things quite as well as we do, you know? Sometimes these people, they have things up. Oh, you thought I was going to say it, didn't you? No, not me. I'm not going to say that F word. I don't do it on here. I'm not going to be apologizing for any Fs tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I'm doing the right thing. Sure yeah, see, of course they're working. And, and the audio and the video, they're synced up because we're professional broadcasters, unlike all those other guys. And so... Uh, Rumble's going to play a couple advertisements or 10, so we'll just let them go ahead and do that because, you know, they've got to go, they got to go make money. And so, you know, they'll do that. And then eventually they'll allow us to start our show. You know, that's the idea behind it anyway. I mean, whether or not they do, that's another question, right? And so we'll see if that, you know, we'll see how that works out. But anyway, we'll go ahead and start the local recording, and then the local recording will have begun. And then once we uh, once we see that, and then of course, as you would expect, and of course, yeah, we're on Rumble. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, they just had to play ten advertisements before they start our show. You know, because it's Rumble, you see. And uh, you know, they're they're that YouTube competitor. That, that's it's totally different. It's a totally different thing. And so anyway, now that we know that everything's working, ladies and gentlemen. Except for Goyam TV. They don't they don't really work over there. You know, they have like, uh, I don't know. They got a different definition of function, I think. It's kind of the idea over at Goyam TV. So anyway, uh, I think that they'll start working eventually. And that's good for them. You know, that way, you know, that way they can start. They could they could have uh, they can have shows on their network and stuff. And so I'll just go ahead and we'll play some intro music. Why don't we? Forty-fourth episode of Stage One, foreseeable, and of course, what ain't these days? Fox News is in full war propaganda mode, airing the worst of their senior military analysts and strategic analysts, and the likes of Lindsey Graham and whatnot, in calls for the United States to make World War Three more or less official. 
by attacking Iran. This comes on the heels of a drone strike on a U.S. military base in Jordan near the Syrian border. So you got you to keep track of all the countries involved here because it's the World War III thing, you see. And it left three dead and many more injured, as you might expect a drone strike to do on a military base. The United States government has not the slightest idea who launched the attack, of course, but they're capable of asserting that despite this uncertainty, they know it was an Iran-backed group. And that's an awfully convenient circumstance for those persons and entities that have been looking for any excuse to get us into Iran since prior to September 11, 2001, and have scarcely taken the time to put down their war drums since. Of course, it's hardly unforeseeable that soldiers in and near a war zone at a time when regional conflicts are escalating out of control would be attacked. For the sane observer, it becomes clear that the purpose of the military base is for it to be attacked. It's not there for any other purpose than to act as bait to find excuses to wage wars. Is there some better purpose for this particular military base? I don't know. I, I imagine that somebody would try to articulate one if they were under oath in front of Congress, and it would probably not be credible. But it is obvious that this is a part of American military strategy. It is obvious that when you are involved in an increasing number of military conflicts in a region, that your forces in that region will be attacked. It's kind of the whole point of warfare, as it were. So while my inclination is to support my own country when there's a war, and I certainly don't want American troops getting hurt or killed, the feigned shock and consequent outrage that this occurred is just nauseating to watch. It's not plausible. The Iran hawks have tried to make their case and failed over and over and over again. They have come up with one excuse after another for decades, and the public surprisingly enough, is not falling for this particular line. They fall for a lot, but not this one. It's that stupid. They keep on antagonizing matters in the region, calling anyone who questions their wisdom an anti-Semite, which is the surest sign that you're telling the truth, and have demonstrated the most consistent aversion to rational analysis of any interest group. And that's really something considering the aversion to rationality, rational analysis that goes on with interest groups in American politics, you see. If a bomb goes off or somebody slips on a banana peel, they're called for an attack on Iran. It's cartoonish and stupid and an insult to the intelligence of the population. The way to protect American service members from attack is fairly straightforward. Only deploy them to those places where you can admit the plan is for them to be attacked and arrange for them to be the ones doing the attacking. This idea that our military is just sitting around minding their own business in a foreign country and that all attacks on them are Iranian aggression is not a serious proposal. There's no reason for our military to be minding their own business in a foreign country. If they are there, they should have a purpose that does not involve minding their own business. 217-688-1433, you like to be on the program. And the more you talk, the less I have to, so please do give us a call. I'm really like, I'm bent out of shape about this. As you might expect, you know, I do not, uh, it's not that I uh, have any sympathy for Iran, certainly. And not the Houthi rebels or whatever stupid cause that they have behind them. I'm just so sick and tired of these people trying to drag us into every stupid damn conflict, you know? No Odyssey notification again. Link there, early PM, then check back. A couple of minutes before showtime, gone. Annoying, but back up again. Weird. All's 
Velvet and Swelda. Yeah, Odyssey doesn't work. You know, it's a it's a it's a trick. You see, the whole point of Odyssey is to get us to use it and to think that we have a video streaming platform so that we get screwed. That's the whole point of Odyssey. I think. Pretty sure that that's the reason Odyssey exists. It's controlled opposition. Uh, the whole entire point of it is to screw us over. And if it works, then that's you know that's going to defeat the purpose of the enterprise, right? They don't they don't want that to happen. And so. You know, I uh, posted to some of the socials right before the show today that we've got sort of a new feature. It's actually existed with the with the call-in system for a long time. I just haven't used it. And I don't know how much, I don't know if we will continue to use it, by the way. You can use your web browser to call into the show. If you want to try to do this, um, it's callinstudio.com slash show slash SPM. I'll start putting that link in the show descriptions. I didn't do it today. I don't know if we're going to keep that, though, because as soon as it starts, you know, I I blocked, you know, private calls. You can't, like, call using the star six, seven or whatever, because usually what I do here is I screen using caller ID. OK, um, but if you want to try to use the web interface, you can. Uh, if I start getting abusive calls from that thing, I'm going to have to disable. It. And that's probably going to happen at some point. But for now, you have that option. Call in slash show slash SPM. We'll allow you to call here without using your phone. Caller, you are on Surreal Politics. What can I do for you today? Hey, Chris. Um, yeah, I mean, this this story about what's going on with Iran is crazy. Um, if not, you know, not it's not totally surprising, but it did come out of nowhere, I guess, in a way. Um, what, what do you think about the reports? Because, you know, originally the, the, the cry was, oh, it was a U.S. base in Jordan, which, you know, the big thing about that was that this is a neutral country. This is an ally. You know, how dare they attack us there? And then Jordanian representatives of the government came out and said, no, this base was not actually in Jordan. Um, I'm assuming they said this because they didn't want to get dragged into the conflict at all. Um, and that the base was actually in Syria because it was right on the border. Um, now, the, you know, I think maybe to the un, uninformed observer, that maybe seems like a distinction without a difference. But um, I think why it matters is because Syria has been embroiled in conflict for a while now. And, you know, to be struck in Syria, I mean, they, they attack bases in Syria all the time. And, you know, the U.S. really shouldn't even be there because the public has not wanted us to be involved in Syria for years now. So, I mean, do you think that there's any truth to this, that it's not, it didn't actually take place in Jordan, it was actually an attack in Syria? Or do you think the Jordanians are just putting that out there because they're trying to, you know, distance themselves from being involved? So, I heard it said today, now, and I haven't checked the veracity of this, Jordan does not want to admit that the base is there. They say that Jordan does not disclose this base. Um, that that was something that somebody on Fox News said today. I did not verify this claim. Um, so, you know, whether it's, you know, 100 feet this side or 100 feet that side of the Syrian border, I don't know that it's the most pertinent thing except to the Jordanian government, say, right? If the Jordanian government is like, hey, you know, you've got this military base here, guys are attacking it, like, I don't want anything to do with it. Like, they might just cede the territory to Syria. <laughs> you know, they'd be like, here's Syria, would you, would you like this American military base? You could have it, you know. Um, I don't know, I, I don't have any way to verify that claim. And so- um, that's, but that's my limited understanding of it. But Fox News has been lying to me all day. So what the hell do I know? Right. Fox News is like, you know, you know, taking Lindsey Graham and every idiot who's like, oh, well, Joe Biden's biggest problem is that we're not in a war with Iran yet. And I'm like, well, wait a second. You know, I think that Joe Biden might have screwed some things up other than not going to war with Iran, Lindsey Graham. And so, 
you know, these people are completely out of their minds and you you just, you know, all you can all you can discern from watching them talk is that, you know, that they are bad people. And, and I, I really just don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was I was watching. You know, oddly enough, I, I caught a Fox News segment um, yesterday and I can't remember the guy's name, but he was like some kind of colonel or something. And he, he likes to give, you know, you know, uh, Fox News military advice from time to time. And he was basically saying uh, things that were eerily similar to what I remember people saying during, like right before we invaded Iraq, you know, talking about, oh, um, you know, we need to lead the way and do what we have to do. And, you know, we, we should ask our allies to join us. But if they don't join us, let them know we're going to remember who's with us and who's against us. And, um, you know, we need to strike swiftly and hard and we need to, you know, and then they start quoting Teddy Roosevelt, you know, the, the carry the big stick and. <laughs> Off I saw the exact segment they, you're they, talking about. I know what I know what you're saying. You know, oh, yeah, that thing. It, yeah, it, it went on this guy. Just, no, this guy went on warmongering, and it was like eerily similar to right before we went to war in Iraq. Um, but I mean, things have changed. Obviously, I don't know if we have the ability to wage a war like a serious one um, with the with like I don't think that the public has got any taste for it whatsoever. Unlike what what was going on in 2001 and 2004. Um, I don't know. What do you what do you think? Do you think that they're going to actually be able to pull something off? I mean, how, how does the Biden administration respond? I mean, there's definitely political pressure, you know, not just public, but within the within the halls of power, there's definitely pressure to, to do something serious here. I, uh, how do you see it going? Well, that segment was pretty funny, right? So he's talking to Arthel Neville is like the black female weekend host. Right. And and she is talking to this guy as if she knows what she's talking about. And it's obvious that she doesn't. She's been fed these things, right? She's like, oh, and so, you know, how bad, you know, I don't remember the exact questions that she was asking, but they were preposterous and they were, dis- and they were, uh, it, they were obviously questions that he was expecting to answer, right? You know, it was, it was to the effect yep. of, so, you know, how, how fast should America attack Iran or something? You know, it's just, you know, it was this thing, <laughs> yep. this layup of like, yeah, well, we all understand that we have to go to war with Iran. So why don't you just go ahead and tell us about how awesome that's going to be for the American people, you know? And so I I watched the exact segment you're talking about. And it's like, nobody, I, it, what the big joke about the Iran thing is, is that, like I said in the introduction today, it's like, they've been trying to do this since before September 11, 2001. And, and, and the public is not buying it. I don't know. I don't know what makes the, you know, the American population immune to Iranian war propaganda, but they're just not buying it. And and it's conspicuous how badly they failed to make the case, right? They just keep on saying, like, we just really need to go to war with Iran. Like, every stupid thing. If somebody slips on a banana peel, we've got to go to war with Iran. And America is like, you guys are crazy. Like, I have no idea what's going on in Iran. Every time something happens that you say we've got to go attack Iran, it's off in some place that I didn't even know we had soldiers at. What are you talking about? Why would I do this? Right? <clears throat> and so yep. I, I the thing is that they, they understand full well that, you know, getting us into a war with Iran is going to be politically unpopular. The question is, you know, how much do they care about that? And, you know, and when they're running around telling you that they're going to, you know, transgender your kids and throw you in prison for questioning the wisdom of that, you know, you have to figure that they're not actually that concerned about elections. And so it's tough to say, but I have my doubts that Joe Biden will actually do it, right? Like, I I think that he'll probably go and launch a bunch of missiles, you know, at things that Iran cares about. I have my doubts that there will be strikes American military strikes on Iranian territory. I think that that is exceedingly unlikely. 
I think that you will see the United States military strike things that are of significant interest to Iran, and then that will be, you know, this ratcheting up of tensions even further. And the question is, how far can you ratchet up the tensions before the damn rubber band snaps is what, what it becomes, right? Because, you know, that's what everybody's really fundamentally trying to do. They're trying to, like, everybody wants to get right up to the line and then not do it. And then somebody's going to accidentally go over the line and all hell's going to break loose, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, the people that hold power in this country want this to happen. Like you pointed out, they've wanted it to happen for decades. And I mean, things are going on in Israel right now and different, you know, Iranian proxies are, you know, kind of like messing with Israel in the north of Israel, keeping it so that, you know, they're, they're struggling um, with their ground war in Gaza and they're having a lot of problems. And it's almost like they kind of want us to get involved, um, you know, more directly in that conflict. And that seems to be what's being, you know, what they're trying to draw out here. But I don't know how tenable it is. I mean, we have so many fires going on around the world right now. Um, recruitment is at rock bottom. No one wants to fight for this country. Um, our stockpiles have been being sent to Ukraine and we're, we're low. Um, we don't have, um, you know, war mobilization in terms of production going on in the West at this point. It wouldn't be hard to launch, like you said, launch a bunch of missiles at Iran, but like actually doing something that's going to make the Iranians stop um, you know, picking at Israel. I don't, I don't see how we could do that. So I don't know, like, it's, it's just like, I don't see the end game strategy here. Um, what we're trying to accomplish by doing that. Cause they we're not in a place where we could actually like conquer Iran. Like Iran's a very difficult country to invade. You couldn't conquer it with ground troops. We're not in a, in a place to be able to do it. I, I just don't like, it's, it's, it's like madness. It's like the trains off the tracks on this. Well, you know, it, that's the thing, right? And so the question always, you know, comes back to, are the people who are calling the shots in the United States at all interested in the survival of the United States? And, the, you know, the evidence seems to be that they're they're not. Right. So, like, if Joe Biden is like, well, I'd really like to be president of this country and command a very large economy and be in charge of the world's largest military, then he's like, OK, well, I better not wreck this thing, you know. Um, but if he's like, no, like, you know, my whole entire point is to destroy America for China, then, you know, then that's a whole different story. Then you go into Iran and you're like, OK, we're going in there hard and fast. We're throwing everything we've got at this. And then it all gets destroyed. And then and then China gets to rule the world for the next 250 years. Right. It's kind of the idea. Now, you know, I, I have my I have my doubts that they're going to go that far with it. But, you know, the you know, the the. It, Here's here's what I would love somebody to do, and they're not nobody's going to do it. <clears throat> but I'd love to see a press conference, whether with Lloyd Austin or with um, what's the other guy from the Defense Department, who uh, John Kirby. Uh, okay, so you under you have you can tell us that it's not that you don't know what group it is, but you know that they were Iranian backed. What evidence do you have that it's not a false flag? And then he would just be like, "You're a conspiracy theorist, Alex Jones, retard," which means that. He has no evidence at all that it's not a false flag, right? And then you ask, okay, who would benefit from this? And the answer is very clear. It would be Israel, right? And then you'd have to ask the question, you know, is it beneath the dignity of the Israelis to attack American troops? And the answer to that is definitely <laughs> no, right? The answer to that question is definitely no. It's definitely not beneath their dignity to do that. We know about that from the USS Liberty. And so, you know... <laughs> That's not going to impact American foreign policy decisions very clearly because, you know, they, it's a good possibility they would know about it, right? They'd be like, hey, Joe Biden would be like, look, I can't get involved in this war that you're having. 
And he'd be like, well, what do we have to do? How would, how, what would it take to get you into this war? He's like, well, if American soldiers were killed at like a military base, but we, you know, obviously nobody's going to be stupid enough to do that. And then the Israelis would be like, well, you know, I know a guy, you know. Um, and, and so like, you know, these things could happen. But they're not going to go in and try to like topple. The, they're not going to go in with ground forces and try to, you know, and try to take over the government of Iran, right? What they'll do is they'll go and they'll just launch missiles into the country and break things, right? That's, you know, that would be something that they would do. And then the question is, what is Iran going to do about that? And I think that the people in Washington believe that the answer is not a whole lot, right? They'll do exactly what they're doing now, which is funding, you know, paramilitary groups. And if they're already doing that, then Washington says, well, I, you know, I don't have much to lose by pissing off Iran. Now, do I? Right. Uh, you know, and so I think that, that that's a pretty good I think that you could say with certainty that they'll go and attack Iranian interests outside of Iranian soil. There's a non-zero chance that they lob missiles into Iran. The possibility of them launching an invasion of the country, I would say that that's as, as close to zero as you can get. <clears throat> and what they get for that, what they get for launching the missiles in there is, well, first of all, they get to buy the missiles from their friends. Their friends love that, right? <laughs> their friends love when you buy those you know, missiles that cost more than you'll make in a lifetime. And 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 then and then blow them up and then buy some more. They love that stuff, and they'll give you campaign contributions, and they'll they'll let you screw kids on an island and stuff. They're they're all for it. Um, so there's that, and then there's and then there's the blackmailers, right? There's the, there's those guys that you know that that Israeli company that puts the spyware on the phones of the people who are in charge, right? The Pegasus stuff, and then they're like, look, we have these videos that you've been, you know, you know, you were dumb enough to do this with your phone, and you know. And those kids, they really not looking like they're having a good time. So, you you know, you better do what we say, you know. And so, you know, those are the things that they have. It's not something, you know, it's not like nobody's under the impression that this is in the best interest of the United States. What the hell do we have? A, why do we have a base in Jordan or on Syrian border? Like, whichever side of the border it's on, what are we doing over there? Absolutely nothing positive, nothing that you're going to benefit from for sure. And so we're like, okay, we'll just, we'll, you know, we'll go over there. You guys go have a war. And then we're like, oh, you guys are a bunch of Houthi rebels. We'll go launch some missiles at you. We'll go, oh, you know, Israel's going and like ethnically cleansing Palestine. We'll go send some nuclear carriers there just in case somebody, you know, gets upset about the, you know, you know, that, well, you know, the Holocaust is a trademark thing, but you know, your little ethnic cleansing exercise, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, whatever it is, there's, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, who gains what? I mean, these are people looking out for their own interests. They're not looking out for the interests of the United States, obviously. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, we, we brought up, uh, I, I mentioned Russia, Ukraine before, and then you brought up China. I mean, do you foresee either one of them, at least rhetorically, starting to, like if the U.S. starts to get aggressive with Iran, them coming out and, you know, trying to make us look bad on the world stage, you know, the same way we would to anybody else? I don't know if we're at a point where those countries can do that yet, but that would be interesting to see how they might try to handle that from a geopolitical perspective. Well, what they, what, you know, would they try to make us look bad? Well, yeah, they'd certainly try to make us look bad. You know, to, to, you know, how do they go about doing that? Right. That, that That's certain. Right. You know, the, if Russia sees an opportunity to embarrass the United States at this juncture, you know, that's the, you know, that's a cheap way of dealing with their problems. Right. Um, you know, China, I say, you know, China is a little bit more, I don't know, diplomatic say, you know, Russia is literally at war with us. So like they have no, they have nothing to lose by, you know, souring diplomatic relations say, except that maybe they're hoping that they'll get a better, 
arrangement when Trump becomes president. You know, that's the only that's the only question about that, I'd say. You know, if they think that Joe Biden's going to be president for another four years, then, you know, Vladimir Putin can't go wrong ticking us off, you know. Um, but, you know, what, you know, how would, how would they react to it? I mean, uh, my understanding, you know, the, the, the United States government keeps on saying that you know, Iran has been providing drones to Russia or something, you know, whether that's true or not, who knows, but it's not, it's not, it's not implausible that Iran would be willing to do it, say. And then, you know, if Iran is going to be involved in a military conflict, is, you know, is Russia going to help them? I'd say probably. You know, I don't think that Russia is going to go and get into a nuclear standoff with the United States over it. But can they send them things that the United States doesn't want to send them them to be sent and make, uh, you know, all types of trouble that way? Yeah, yeah, they would certainly do that. I'm sure China already is to the extent that they could do it under the table. And so they'll just do it above the table. They'll be like, yeah, you know, look, we, we're pretty sick of the United States being at war with every country in the world. Okay, guys, like, cut it out. We're going to sell things to who we want. You guys might want to stop with the, you know, world war thing because eventually, you know, you tick off enough people and, you know, it might, might come back to bite you. And so, <clears throat> but they would definitely, you know, they'll definitely try to make us look bad if we're, you know, invade another country, you know, and they won't have much difficulty doing it, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I'm really interested to see how it all plays out. I mean, I think it's even if even if they could get away with it, even if Iran can't directly hurt the United States in a way back that's like equitable. I think that burning political capital for this like I don't know, I guess call it regime that rules us is you know whenever they do that, that benefits us in a political sense. So I think that that's a good thing. So even though it's probably going to take a while, like let them burn all the capital. And I think from our perspective, like what we could do is, you know, talk to people in our lives that are sane people that we have relationships with and just say, like you said before, why do we have a base there? Why are we even there in the first place? Like, you know, I thought we were, I thought we said we didn't want to go to Syria and like get that to be the talking point with people so that they are just like, I don't want anything to do with this. I want to come. I want our troops to come home. I thought we had already done that and, and make it so that they cannot gin up any kind of energy for war. They cannot gin up any kind of energy for support of the system doing these things. And I think that's the best thing we could do politically on our end. And uh, yeah, but no, I mean, uh, great opening monologue. Very interested to see how this plays out. And thanks for taking my call, Chris. Thank you very much for making a call, my friend. 217-688-1433. You'd like to be on the program. And the more you talk, the less I have to. So please do give us a call. Um, let's see. Uh, let's go pull up some of these stories here. Um, let's see. I, you know, I actually haven't, this is a new headline at Revolver, okay? So I, I pulled up a bunch of stories about this, but this sounds interesting, so I'm going to read it cold and we'll find out what happens. This says, uh, Tucker reacts to Lindsey Graham's push for war with Iran by dropping an F-bomb on his head. Now, when he gets to drop it an F-bomb, I'm going to, uh, you know what, I'll, I'll do something else other than say F-bomb. I don't know, I'll do either, you know, e either that or maybe like, uh, Hey, Lindsey Graham, why don't you get your head out of your, you know, we'll, we'll figure it, we'll figure out some way to deal with that. I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to curse on, um, on surreal politics. We're better behaved than that around here. Okay. So right, there we go. Sadly, more Americans have paid the price for Joe Biden's terrible and inept leadership with their lives. 
At this point, with Joe in charge, who needs enemies? Three U.S. troops are now dead and dozens more are hurt from a Rhine-backed drone strike that took place in Jordan near the Syrian border. And right on cue, the usual rhinos are out there itching to start World War III for their defense contractor buddies and donors. Tucker Carlson is all too familiar with his worn-out warmonger script and he's not letting them off the hook now. Meanwhile, the propaganda media is busy making excuses for Biden's blunder, that misguided move of sending billions to a rogue terrorist nation, then naively believing they wouldn't use it against us. We're literally paying foreign terrorists to attack and humiliate us. Quoting from Reuters, three U.S. service members were killed and dozens may be wounded after an unmanned aerial drone attack on U.S. forces stationed in the northeast Jordan near the Syrian border. President Joe Biden, U.S. military officials said on Sunday. Biden blamed Iran-backed groups for the attack, the first deadly strike against U.S. forces since the Israel-Hamas war erupted in October and sent the shockwaves through the Middle East. Now, here's a funny thing. I, I laughed my, my, uh, my hiney off today. When uh, no, I'm kidding. I still have it. I'm sitting on it right now. Um, I laughed like crazy when they said this. This is the first attack on U.S. service members since the Israel-Hamas attack on October 7th. Are you trying to tell me that uh, the attack on Israel is an attack on U.S. forces? Is that what you mean to say, Reuters? Because that's that's a problem, you know. <laughs> Uh, Israel's actually not part of the United States. I checked. You get it's in, you get I know Wikipedia is like not a very good source, but you can go check it there. Like they're their own country and stuff. Like you could go like they you check the source material and like it, you know, the other place will tell you too. And they're not even like it's not like it's not like one of these things where they link it to, you know, the Huffington Post, like real sources. Uh, while we are still gathering the facts of this attack, we know it was carried out by radical Iran-backed militant groups operating in Syria and Iraq, Biden said in a statement. Oh, so they're operating in, you know, one of two countries or maybe both of them, you know. Somewhere in this region, there's somebody who received money from this country. And even though we don't know who they are, you know, we know where their money comes from. So we're going to get into World War Three now. I have no doubt we will hold those responsible to account at a time and a matter of our choosing, he said. That's not a very good Joe Biden impression. Joe Biden doesn't speak with that much force, you know? Joe Biden's an idiot, and he doesn't talk very good. So it's difficult for a talented speaker like me to do a Joe Biden impression because I'm like... What's most shocking is that Lloyd Austin decided to clock into work. But here's another kicker. That Iran-backed drone strike happened right after Joe Biden claimed Iran wouldn't dare attack the United States. That's pretty funny. And they got, they got a tweet here from John Hassan. Biden, two weeks ago, I've already delivered the message to Iran. They know not to do anything. <laughs> Today, Iran-backed drone strike kills three U.S. service members. Many wounded. <laughs> well, it looks like Joe missed the mark on yet another one. What's new? Once more, Joe Biden's staggering ineptitude leads to dead Americans. In addition, this is a classic case with the pot calling the kettle black. Everything they blame Trump for, they're actually doing themselves. Well, if they were, you know. The, if the Democrats call you black, they're just trying to get your vote. I don't know what you're talking about. In January 2020, candidate Joe Biden attacked President Trump by accusing him of recklessly steering the U.S. towards war with Iran. 
Everything they accuse Trump of, they do themselves. Donald Trump is dangerously incompetent and incapable of world leadership. The reckless disregard for the consequences that would surely follow was dangerously incompetent. It put the U.S. and Iran on a collision course. That's another bad Joe Biden impression. I'm sorry. The comments were made in response to Trump taking out Iran's Revolutionary Guard commander, Qasem Soleimani, a decision with which Joe Biden, of course, disagreed. Now, with attacks on U.S. troops in Jordan by Iranian-backed proxy militias, calls for direct conflict with Tehran are erupting on both sides of the political aisle. The Obama-Biden cabal has funded Iran with billions that finance anti-U.S. militias all over the Middle East. It didn't have to be this way. Of course it did. I'm not saying that, you know, it's a very good idea to, like, give money to Iran. I, you know, if we got, like, some money over here, be like, hey, you guys are, you guys are Iran. You Iran guys like our money, right? Yeah, sucks for you. We've got money you don't. You guys should probably, you know, not be cavemen or whatever. And right on cue, GOP establishment is wasting no time beating their war drums. Rhino Lindsey Graham is out front and center with another rhino, John Cornyn, right on his heels. Tucker Carlson caught on to their saber rattling and let loose a scorching F-bomb right at those two lunatics. And so uh, Tucker Carlson on Twitter says, ing lunatics. Uh, Let's try that again. Uh, Tucker Carlson on Twitter says, ing lunatics. Tucker Carlson on Twitter says, ing lunatics, you get the idea, okay? So so hit Iran now, hit them hard, was what Lindsey Graham said. Senator John Cornyn says, target Tehran. Uh, Tucker Carlson takes screenshots of those two things. And he says, ing lunatics. <laughs> Spot on, Tucker. Lindsey Graham and his cronies are quick to send your children to die in a foreign land so that they can fatten their wallets and keep their defense contractor donors happy. Meanwhile, the newest Biden foreign policy blunder highlights Joe's outrageous incompetence. And uh, uh, let's see here. Mike Baker on how Iran, how Biden reversing Trump's policies with Iran led to the mess we are in today. And of course, you know, they'll just say the, the opposite thing, right? They'll go, what our problem is from a U.S. perspective and our allies' perspective, is that the Biden administration currently um, won't address the primary driver of all this, which is Iran, right? So the Iranians made the calculation, the regime, not the people, but the history of Iran is fantastic, yep. right? Yep. Um, and the people are great, but it's the regime. And the IRGC, the Revolutionary Guard Corps, they know, because they've been doing this for a long time, that they can continue to destabilize the region and they're not going to be paying for it directly, right? Any, any response is going to be directed at one of their proxies. Right. right? So that was, that was a calculation they made. The Biden administration is, is playing that out for sure. You know, they, at, at early on in the conflict, they didn't want to talk about Iran. Mm-hmm. Right? Now they've at least mentioned it obliquely. This designation that you raise. It's interesting because President Trump did designate them as a foreign terrorist organization. You've got different levels of designation, right? Um, when you when you say, okay, that group Hamas or that group over there, you know, we want to designate them as terrorists. You can you can do that at various levels, and it has different impacts in terms of what actions can then be taken against the group. Mm-hmm. So the Trump administration listed the Houthis as a foreign terrorist organization, and then um, 
I don't know, Trump in February of 21, or sorry, Biden when he came in. Yep. So it was February of 2021. Reversed that decision. And he reversed it because the UN and others were saying, oh, this is terrible. You know, you can't keep them on the terrorist list because it's hurting, you know, Yemen. It's hurting the people of Yemen. And, you know, they're not getting humanitarian aid. And, and well, you know, most of that humanitarian aid was getting rifled through by the, by the Houthis anyway. Right. It sounds it. exactly like what's happened with Hamas and with Hezbollah. Exactly. Basically. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Hamas is, the leadership is rich because of all the billions that they control when money and aid goes into Gaza, right? Mm-hmm. They, so anyway, but with the, with the Houthis, the, the Biden administration had no choice, I think, from a, an optic from, for politics. Um, they realized, okay, we now have to reverse our own decision. So now they've, this Oh, you week, mean they had no choice now? Then, yes. do you think yep. then the, the idea was, well, Trump did it, so we're just going to reverse oh, it? yeah, like, like everything else. Essence, yeah. yeah, I think like everything else, with the border decisions, you know, that they took on the border. Ridiculous, right? But yeah. it was that idea that like, oh, Trump did it, it must've been bad, yeah. right? And so let's, let's just change it all because that'll show how righteous we are, right? So they did that with the Houthis. Um, and now, now they've decided to go and reverse their thinking because they have no choice, right? I mean, it, the news, the media has finally picked up on this and said, mm-hmm. okay, there's a lot going on here and we're being targeted. Uh, it's only a matter of time, you know, before something bad happens. And then, so I think they wanted to get ahead of it a little bit, right? Um, and so what they've done is they haven't gone with the foreign terrorist organization designation. They went with a lesser designation, which is the specially designated global terrorist, right? So uh, whatever that is, that's an acronym. I'm sure it's a government acronym, <laughs> SGDT. Right. So um, that is still important. No, don't get me wrong. I'm glad they did it, but um, it's not the strongest that they could, the action that they could take against the Houthis. So what they've done here is they're saying, okay, you know, we're going to designate you as terrorists. You're, we're going to call you terrorists, <laughs> but, and that can allow us to, to freeze assets in, in, to a degree, but it still allows for humanitarian aid to go in. Uh, again, the problem is if it goes into Hodeida, if it goes into the port, main right. port there in, 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 uh, in, in Yemen, that's controlled by, uh, the Houthis. So humanitarian aid will, you know, whether it gets to the actual people who deserve it, need it, et cetera, just like with the citizens of Gaza. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's anybody's guess. All right, welcome back to Surreal Politics. Sorry about that. Um, And so over at Revolver, they say he's right. Trump kept Iran in check with strength and smart negotiation tactics. But Biden, he handed them billions and naively hoped that they wouldn't turn against us. His clueless is now beyond belief, and it's costing lives. It's curious, I'd say, that like, you know, Revolver News, I'm trying to figure out what their bit is, you know. They are not journalists. They're they're not honest either. They link to sites that, like, are plainly, obviously dishonest. I don't tend to read to you from them, but, you know, you've heard me talk about, like, Headline USA is like a fake news site, like an unapologetically fake news site. It is just, it's not even trying to, like, be plausible, right? It's fake news. And it, you know, that the name right there tells you, they're like, believe that we're news. Look, we're American. 
but it's just some guy who who really he's not honest, right? And Revolver links to that guy, so like, you know, they did that for a reason, and it's not because he has credible reporting, right? They have a relationship with this guy. And he's going to paint things a certain way that they want them painted, right? And they're using that as a way to do it. So they're like, yeah, well, you know, Trump was so good on Iran by striking, killing the general, you know. I don't care. Like, fine, go ahead, kill the kill. You know, I don't care about Iran. Like, it's not, it's not my concern for the Iranian people, believe me when I tell you. But it's actually not America first to get into a war with Iran, right? It's it. This is Israeli foreign policy, and it's unambiguously is Israeli foreign policy, right? We keep hearing about Houthi rebels, Houthi rebels. So, like, did a Houthi rebel ever scream Allahu Akbar and like blow up your house? No, like they're not. These are not the people who are crashing their cars into crowds of people in America and Europe, right? That's not what this is. That's a that's a that's a thing that's going on over there. I don't think one in a thousand Americans could articulate what the Houthi rebels care about. That's a totally regional problem that America's like, well, we're just gonna have to keep on lobbing missiles at those Houthi rebels because they're in rebellion. Rebellion against who? What 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 interest do we have in the rebellion being waged by these people you call the Houthis? And the answer is Iran. And do, does America have any interest in getting into a war with Iran? No. The Israeli government has an interest in toppling the Iranian regime because they're afraid that they're going to get nuclear weapons and nuke Israel. That's the answer to that question. And so, like, you know, every every try, every effort to gain some, like, you know, to get us into a conflict Iran is like, okay, what we need, what is Israel needs is for the Iranian government to be toppled. They do not care about any other portion of the equation. They're like, oh, well, you know, America, look, you've been pretty good, but we'll just get along with those Chinese people or those Russians. If, if your country is destroyed, we'll go and we'll blackmail, you know, Chinese diplomats or whatever. We, we'll be fine. We understand the ways of the world. We've been we've been manipulating things long enough. But we will not tolerate a nuclear Iran. We need somebody else to go fight that war because that's we don't do stuff like that. You understand? We get you to kill people for us and then and then you get blamed and you get your country destroyed. The whole entire point is for us to live. You understand? And so Revolver takes this line that's like, oh, you know, we're we're all about not having the war, you see. Which is why, you know, we support these superior means of antagonizing the conflict in the region. And it's really irritating. And I'm willing to tolerate it from Trump if that's what we've got to do to be president. Fine, whatever. But don't tell me, you know, oh, yeah, well, you know. (laughs) Things are not looking good over there. Uh, This is a a revolver quoting from Bad Hombre, a Twitter account. 
President Trump exerted pressure on Iran by pulling out of a flawed nuclear deal, strengthening economic relations with Arab partners, instituting hard-hitting sanctions and deterrence through strength and strategic ambiguity. The result was reaching the precipice of good-faith diplomatic negotiations for the first time in decades. Joe Biden enables the Iranian regime with billions in cash payments, squanders resources by foolishly fanning the flames of endless conflict in Israel and Ukraine, and broadcasts weakness to the world through indecisiveness and disastrous withdrawals. The results are the unnecessary deaths of American military service members and an increasingly unstable world. This is the difference between an America first and an America last foreign policy. Back to Revolver. Here's the truth. Unless we vote out Biden along with the warmongering rhinos and give neocons like Nikki Haley the boot, we're on a one-way path to an endless cycle of forever wars. The choice for 2024 is crystal clear. What's it going to be? War or peace? Raise your hand if you'd like this back, and it's a bunch of stuff with Donald Trump. And so, you know, yeah, I'm all for Trump. All for getting rid of Biden. No argument you're going to find for me there. But I got to tell you, I don't like this nonsense idea that what we need to do is deal with, the, we need to get rid of that Iranian government in a more efficient manner than Joe Biden is. You know, Give them money? Yeah, don't give them any money. Let's stop giving everybody money. Let's cut off Iran and Israel at the same time with the same stroke and the same pen. What do you say? Oh, no, you can't do that, right? Why would you? And so... Well, actually, before I go to that one, I'll probably pull up this. Let's go pull up this one. There's a guy, his name's Reed Hoffman. And Reed Hoffman is a guy, he found, he co-founded LinkedIn. That's a uh, social network ostensibly for like, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call, you know, professionals. It's like a work. It's like Facebook for work. It's like, no, I'm not on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. It's okay. Don't worry, boss. Okay. And so you look at this guy and you realize, you take one look at him and you're like, oh, right. So you, you're a monster and you molest children. You look at him, you're like, yeah, obviously. And then you find out that like, yeah, as a matter of fact, he went to, he went to Epstein's Island. Uh, Democrat billionaire Reed Hoffman, who has been funding Nikki Haley's run for the GOP nomination, has been outed as a visitor to the child sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein's private island, Little St. James, better known as Pedo Island. The Democrat mega donor and LinkedIn founder was reported to be considering funding Ron DeSantis purely to try and thwart Trump's nomination nine months ago. He ultimately decided to back Haley, giving a quarter million dollars to the pro-Haley SFA Fund, Inc., the Super PAC has been asked if it would accept money given, uh, accept the money given Hoffman's status as an active Biden supporter. Prior to the donation, it confirmed that it would. Hoffman has now been outed for visiting Epstein's Island in 2014, long after Epstein's conviction for procuring a girl below the age of 18 for prostitution and even arranged to stay at the Manhattan townhouse where the financer abused many of his victims. Hoffman admitted to the Wall Street Journal that, quote, by lending my association, I helped Epstein's reputation and thus delayed justice for his survivors. He claimed his last interaction with the convicted sex offender was in the year 2015. Haley is coming under pressure to return Hoffman's money on social media from users, including Congressman Lance Gooden. 
Hoffman is also known for having secretly bankrolled E. Jean Carroll's civil case alleging that Trump raped her in 1995 or 1996. Carroll initially claimed she had been receiving no outside funding but was not sanctioned by Bill Clinton appointed, uh, I'm sorry, Bill Clinton appointed Judge Lewis Kaplan when the truth came out. Kaplan also ruled jurors could not be told about Hoffman's involvement in the case. Hoffman contributed more than $600,000 to the legal defense fund of Bean LLC, otherwise known as Fusion GPS, the company responsible for the creation of the Steele dossier, which spread various false accusations of links between Trump and Russia. And so that's a tiny little bit of background on that fat pedophile child rapist piece of garbage named Reed Hoffman. You know what else is interesting about Reed Hoffman? Reed Hoffman also financed... Dun, 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 dun. What's, uh, what's the... Uh, I'm, I'm going to get a new... I'm going to get a new MIDI controller. Uh, you know, let me tell you something else about Reed Hoffman. What else he was financing? Yeah, you know what he financed. He financed the Unite the Right lawsuit. He, he paid for Roberta Kaplan and this cabal of you know, legal terrorists to harass me and my associates for the better part of a decade. And uh, and they lost, right? They accused us of having a racially motivated violent conspiracy. They failed to prove that, but they still got millions of dollars because the jury didn't like what we were saying. So they, they found us liable for harassment. And uh, the lawyers who've been paid good money by my co-defendants didn't bother to bring that up. <clears throat> at the recent oral arguments before the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. That's going to be left to me. I'm the only one who's got the brains to do that because those guys are not on our side. So that is one story. Reed Hoffman finances Roberta Kaplan. He's a pedophile, and he's a Democrat mega-donor. Uh, and... Over here at Reuters, we got a story. White male NYU law student seeks class action status in bias case. The anonymous plaintiff in a race and sex discrimination lawsuit challenging the selection process for New York University School of Law's flagship law review is seeking class action status for all current and former white heterosexual male students who hope to participate. John Doe, as the plaintiff is called in court filings on Wednesday, asked a federal judge to certify the case as a class action before May 10th, when the law review's writing competition begins to determine membership for the following academic year. Student editor and other law review staff positions are prestigious credentials that can open doors to sought-after legal jobs. Doe's lawsuit, filed in October in Manhattan federal court, claims NYU Law Review gives preference to women and minorities in violation of Title VI and Title IX, which prohibit race and sex discrimination in education programs that receive federal funds. A judge in November allowed him to proceed with the case anonymously for now. NYU has hired prominent attorney, a prominent attorney... by the name of Roberta Kaplan of Heckler and Fink. Uh, Roberta Kaplan of Kaplan, Heckler, and Fink. Yes, that's right. Her lawsuit has the name Fink in it because this is cartoon clown world. Kaplan, who is in federal court in Manhattan on Friday, representing E. Jean Carroll in her lawsuit 
uh, against defama- the defamation trial against former Republican President Donald Trump could not be reached for comment. An NYU law spokesperson declined to comment on Doe's class action bid. Well, that's interesting, I'd say. Roberta Kaplan is all about stopping race discrimination. She's all about that stuff, unless you're, you know, unless you're a white heterosexual male, in which case she's like, oh, how do I destroy this person? Because I'm a monster and I hate humanity. And why use motion to dismiss the case is due January 29th, though the school called Doe's suit baseless in a motion opposing exp- expedited discovery. Doe is represented by America First Legal, an organization headed by former Trump advisor Stephen Miller. Conservative lawyer Jonathan Mitchell, who unsuccessfully sued both NYU Law Review and the Harvard Law Review in 2018 for discrimination, is also on Doe's legal team. Mitchell did not immediately respond to a request for comment on Friday. Doe's lawsuit is the first legal challenge to law review diversity policies following the U.S. Supreme Court's June decision that prohibited race-conscious college and university admissions. It asked the court to enjoin the NYU Law Review from considering race, sex, sexual orientation, or gender identity when selecting editors or staffers. According to the motion for class action status, figures from the American Bar Association show there are 96 white men in NYU Law's current class of first-year students. Doe claims that most of those students are likely intended to likely intend to apply to the law review. The case is John Doe v. New York University, U.S. District for the Southern District of New York, 1 colon 23-CV-10515. For Doe, uh, uh, whatever, you get the idea. Those are the fucking... Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. This is surreal politics. I'm sorry for the F, ladies and gentlemen. Whoops. Let's give them a helicopter ride, okay? Yeah, I should totally be tossed out of a helicopter for doing that. I'm very sorry, but I got upset because this cabal of monsters, they're trying to ruin the country. 217-688-1433. You like to be on the program, and the more you talk, the less I have to, so please do give us a call. I should mention, uh, you know, uh, you guys remember Dave in New York? Dave in New York used to call into the show. He was, a, he was a free talk live caller, and then he followed me over here because, you know, he's Dave and he stalks people. Now, Dave's a good guy. I'm just kidding about the stalking. I actually, uh, I miss Dave's calls. I wish that Dave would call in here again. Uh, We used to have a lot of fun talking to Dave. And it's not just me who likes him. Dave's actually got a fan. He's got a fan who sends me letters every once in a while. And he hopes, Dave, that you've got all the strawberry vapes that you can handle. Okay, so Dave, why don't you give us a call, 217-688-1433. Tony Soprano says, on a live broadcast, Joy Reid was caught on a hot mic criticizing Joe Biden for starting another effing war. Clip here. I'll get that for sure. $14.33 from Tony Soprano. Libertariat says they are probably referring to the American dual citizens that F-A-F-O. What's F-A-F-O? I got to look that one up. Um, on October 7th. What did they F-A-F-O on uh, October 7th? That means... Uh, Oh, I see. F around and find out. I get it now. That's pretty smart. Okay. Yeah, so they F around, find out on October 7th because there are a bunch of dual citizens living in Israel. They're like, oh, go over to America. Go pick up that citizenship thing so that, you know, if you ever get, you know, so that if you ever get arrested in a foreign country, we'll get the United States to ransom you, you know. And then if you get, you know, if you commit a crime in America, you just come over and live in Israel and we'll all let them take you. It's a good deal being a dual citizen. You get whatever you want as long as as long as it's not what I want, you know. 217-688-1433. You like to be on the program and avoid talk the less I have to, so please do give us a call. And so 
What's going on here, Goyam TV? Are you guys, what's going on? I guess Goyam TV doesn't work. It just doesn't work, you know, which is a shame because you got great guys over there. Uh, well, anyway, nothing I can do about it, kids. Nothing I can do about it. And so Roberta Kaplan is financed by Reed Hoffman. Reed Hoffman rapes children. And Roberta Kaplan sues Donald Trump for rape, helps Andrew Cuomo get away with rape. She sues us for racial animus. And then she helps, uh, uh, you know, universities uh, enact their racial animus through, uh, through their official policies, you see. Because uh, she's a criminal who's financed by pedophiles and she's trying to destroy America because that's her idea of a good time. You know, they uh, they asked her, you know, there was this, um, they put together this fake documentary, right? This little work of fiction that they played on HBO. No accident. And they asked her during the thing, hey, Christopher Kentwell said he wanted uh, to, to save the country. And she's like, and what do you have to say to that? And she's like, good luck. Which was very sarcastic. Roberta Kaplan does not want me to have good luck at all. It was very clear that she didn't want the country to be saved. And what she actually meant by that was, I'm destroying this country. You go ahead and you try me, Goyam. You will be destroyed too. It's the whole entire point of what I'm doing. That's why the pedophiles pay me the big bucks. You understand? Uh, you know what we got to do? You guys got to all figure out the Monero thing and become millionaires. And then I'm just going to do a tour-based podcast that I live off of Monero, okay? And then I'm going to tell you what I really think about these people, you know? <laughs> I miss the good old days, you know? But I was like, I'm nobody. Nobody's paying attention. I can say whatever I want, you know? <laughs> yeah, so whatever. I got a strike on my YouTube channel. I'll be back doing it again in 30 days. Whatever. <laughs> if I told you what I think about that, I'd be on my way to prison, fella. <laughs> forget about the forget about the self-imposed speech constraints on this show. Reed Hoffman's hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein, financing lawsuits against <laughs> against Donald Trump, me. <laughs> And defending New York University's racial discrimination through Roberta Kaplan. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, my honest opinion about that, kids, is we all better vote harder. <laughs> yeah, we better we better go and uh, show up in court and make strong arguments, fellas. <laughs> Ah, uh, this fallen, sick world dominated by chaos and wickedness that we live in, man. A fan of the era asks, Kaplan prosecuted Trump. No, Kaplan sued Trump on behalf of E. Jean Carroll. You should, you should look that up. E. Jean Carroll was recently rewarded like $83 million from Donald Trump. Because even though the jury did not find that Trump raped her, 
they found him liable for sexual assault, right? So Eugene Carroll gets on the stand, swears on a Bible, and says, I do swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. And if I lie, you better lock me up for perjury, because that's what it is. It's a crime. It's a felony to accuse someone of a crime in a courtroom and not be telling the truth, you see. Now, the jury was certain that E. Jean Carroll was lying about being raped by Donald Trump. That was obvious because who in their right mind would have sex with E. Jean Carroll, first of all? And then secondly, because E. Jean Carroll, not only is she filthy and repulsive, but her story was absolute nonsense. She's like, yeah, I was in a department store. I don't remember what year it was, but then Donald Trump came in bent me over and forcibly penetrated me because he's that kind of guy just runs around raping girls, just goes to a department store, sees somebody in the dressing room and rapes them. That was the story. And so the jury's like, that's obviously nonsense, you crazy person, because, you know, on top of the fact that it's just implausible, you never said anything about it. Until you published a book with the claim. Then you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, now that I'm publishing a book, I want you to buy the book where I talk about being raped by Donald Trump. And then Donald Trump's like, hey, you crazy person, I didn't rape you. She's like, I'm suing you for defamation because this lawyer, Roberta Kaplan, was like, want me to sue this guy for you? This other guy, I'll pay for it. And she's like, yeah, go ahead, do that. And she's like, okay, you know, we'll go do that. And so they sued for defamation, rape, and sexual assault. And the jury did not find Trump liable for rape. So the jury didn't believe the story of Eugene Carroll, but they found him liable for sexual sexual assault and defamation. Which is very similar to what happened in Virginia, right? They did not find us liable for what we were accused of. They said, no, obviously there's no racially motivated violent conspiracy here, but screw you guys, we're going to hold you liable for something else. Well, actually, that's not how the law works, you see. you It's a violation of your due process rights to find you liable for something you weren't accused of. It's kind of the whole point of having a legal system, as a matter of fact. <laughs> that's why you have things like written, you know, uh, complaints, and then responses to the complaints. That's why you have indictments, right? That's why you have discovery. The whole entire point is, what am I accused of? What do I have to defend against? You can't find me liable for something I wasn't accused of. It's the whole point of having a legal system. If you're not going to do that, just run around shooting people. It's a lot easier, less expensive. So the jury was like, well, I hate Donald Trump, but, you know, he definitely didn't rape this maniac. So what are we going to do? Well, you'll find him like sexual assault, whatever. His, his present, you know, Donald Trump being around is basically sexual assault, right? And so they gave her millions of dollars. And Trump was like, Trump was like, hey, look, he filed uh, a motion to, uh, to overturn the verdict. And he's like, well, look, they, they sued me for rape. She didn't find him. They didn't find me liable for rape. Found me liable for sexual assault. She went in there, said I forcibly penetrated her in the dressing room. They didn't believe her. So how are we going to find me liable for sexual assault? And the judge is like, well, you know, sexual assault, rape, it's the same thing, you know. So we're just going to say it's the same. I know that there's different laws or whatever, but, you know, this is a courtroom. What do we care about laws? It's America. It's 2024. Get with the times, Donald Trump. Who cares what the law says? I'm a judge. I tell you what the law is. Shut up.
And then they, you know, then they had to figure out the damages thing. So, yeah, so now it's 83-something million dollars. And Eugene Carroll's like, you know what? I'm going to spend all of that on defeating Donald Trump in the next election. And so it's a compulsory campaign contribution to Joe Biden is what it is. Which is great. It's a good idea. If you're Joe Biden, that's a great idea. If you're like a voter, that sucks, you know? If you're not a monster, that's not a good idea at all. So, 217-688-1433. You'd like to be on the program, and the more you talk, the less I have to, so please do give us a call. And if you don't call in, then I'm going to end the show pretty soon. But you've got moments to, uh, moments remain. And they're not, you know, it's not limited to the lawsuits, right? Like the whole country's just, they're just destroying it, right? They're like, you know what they're going to do? They're just going to turn the FBI into an affirmative action program. This story over at the New York Post. DEI hires pushed on to the FBI are putting the country's safety at risk for the sake of being woke by Miranda Devine. An alarming deterioration in recruitment standards for the FBI has been exposed in a recent report delivered to the House Judiciary Committee by an alliance of retired and active duty agents and analysts. Diversity, equity, and inclusion requirements pushed by FBI Director Christopher Wray, the scumbag who was in charge of that scam when they broke my door down in 2020, have degraded recruitment standards in all areas, including physical fitness, illicit drug use, financial irregularities, mental health, and full-time work experience and integrity, and pose a threat to the FBI's ability to protect America from harm, say the authors. The report cites cases of new agents who are so fat and unfit that they can't even pass the new relaxed standards for fitness who are illiterate and need remedial English lessons, who don't want to work weekends or after hours, have serious disabilities or mental health issues, and, quote, create drama. It's fantastic, great, wonderful. You guys run around with firearms enforcing whatever it is you think the law is today. The FBI is no longer recruiting the best and brightest to be special agents, but selecting candidates based on race, gender, and or sexual orientation. The Alliance of Anonymous FBI Reformers includes senior and former uh, senior former executives and agents from the counterintelligence and counterterrorism branches who warn that the FBI, today's FBI, quote, lacks the fortitude and skills warranted to defeat existential threats. And if the current direct trajectory of the FBI special agent recruitment and selection continues, using DEI as the primary and sole measure, our homeland security efforts will be significantly hampered. I guess that depends on what the goal is, doesn't it? An increasing number of lower quality candidates described by one source as breadcrumbs because they were rejected by other federal law enforcement agencies are applying to become FBI agents and are being recruited because they, quote, satisfy the FBI's priority to meet diversity, equity, and inclusion mandates. Flying in the face of Ray's boast to Congress last year that recruitment numbers are soaring, especially in red states, the report finds that the FBI's special agent hiring numbers are down, likely due to the decline in the nation's trust in the FBI and a corresponding decrease in the number of individuals interested in applying for the, to the FBI for employment. 
A former senior counterintelligence agent involved in with writing the report said controversies engulfing the FBI in the Trump era have had the perverse effect of attracting recruits who, quote, want to be agents of social change versus protecting the country. And you might notice that those two goals are in conflict, of course. You can't do both of those things. A former senior, that's what I just said, Uh, recruitment has become self-destructive and is setting up the FBI for a generational failure. Another former agent who helped draft the report said, why are we funding a new FBI headquarters if you're hiring second-rate people? The report is written as if it were an official FBI intelligence product with code names given to sources and subsources who anonymously provided firsthand knowledge of FBI recruitment and selection practices. They include instructors and counselors at the FBI Academy in Quantico, Virginia, application coordinators and assessors from the FBI field offices across the country, and supervisors and executives from the FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. They reveal a farcical situation with new recruits. Veteran supervisor Special Agent Sierra 72 disqualified a black female applicant because she was more than 50 pounds overweight using the FBI's body fat index and could not pass the physical fitness test. But FBI HQ ordered Sierra 72 to push the candidate through the recruitment process. Other supervisors say a high percentage of candidates fail the mandatory fitness test despite the fact that the standards have been relaxed. They simply quit in the middle of the 1.5-mile run, goes the quote. One veteran agent who works as a recruitment coordinator, codenamed Sierra 87, said the drug policy for new agents has been liberalized to include applicants who had a lifestyle of using drugs. That's right. A candidate who was arrested and fought with police officers was not disqualified. Nor are candidates with driving under the influence convictions or people with documented mental illness. That's, that explains a lot. Oh my God, there's a bunch of Trumpites trying to overthrow the government. The president just waged an insurrection against his own government. Are you out of your mind? Yeah, but that's I'm, I'm diverse. Shut up, you neurotypical monster. Nor are candidates who lie during the recruitment process. Sierra 72 disqualified a special agent applicant because their only work experience was working two years as a coffee shop barista and having a bachelor's degree in art history. But FBI HQ ordered Sierra 72 to push the applicant through. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever get a bear cat in front of your house, a bunch of guys with AR-15s come break your door down and some coffee barista with a degree in art history says, put them up. You'll know that you are participating in a diversity program. Sierra 23, a special agent for four years in counterterrorism, observed that most new agents, quote, disappear during the day, go home earlier, never want to work late for after-hours operations. Sierra 23 does not trust most of the agents with his or her life since they have questionable competence, tactical abilities, and work ethic. Sierra 22 said one applicant recently rejected by a local police department and one who was a long-term unemployed gamer were pushed through F- through by FBI HQ for non-special agent positions despite objections from the field office. Other recruits have been given remedial English classes because they're not capable of writing basic reports in a coherent manner and often fail to utilize proper capitalization, punctuation, and structure sentences properly. In one case, training agent Sierra 11, quote, advised a new agent that his or her writing skills needed improvement and that the new agent needed to pay attention to detail. 
The new agent complained to the supervisor that Sierra 11 was too difficult. <laughs> complained to the supervisor that Sierra 11 was too difficult and expecting too much. Yeah. He's, a, he's not. Why is he expecting so much of me to be an FBI agent? I, I show up. I put in my eight hours and I go home. I don't want to hear any of this crap that I need to capitalize the first letter in a sentence. I'm done with you people, you bigots. That's white supremacy. A female minority recruit could not compose a simple FD-302, the standard FBI interview report, said Sierra 79, a criminal investigator of four decades. Quote, the agent never made a case or wrote an affidavit and had to be pulled along to support investigations and could not be trusted in court. <laughs> well, you can be trusted in court just fine. The whole entire, you just have to trust them to do the right things, right? Hey, you go on the stand, you call that guy a racist. And she'd be like, yeah, no problem. I'll do that. I'll do that all day. It's the whole point of the FBI. During the agent's probationary period, her supervisor went up the chain of command to request that her employment be terminated, but was told we need minority female agents. An FBI agent recruit stuttered and appeared to have Tourette's syndrome or other tic disorder that hindered his or her ability to communicate, said Sierra 32, a veteran supervisor at Academy who wondered how this recruit would function in a high-threat hostile environment. Ivy League graduates were being hired fresh out of college and placed in high-level positions to do strategic planning, responsible for establishing policy procedures and goals with counterproductive results. Recruiters are required to host diversity applicant recruitment events based on race, gender, and sexual orientation. Straight white males may not attend. If a recruiter chose not to attend a pride parade or fly the pride flag, the recruiter would most likely be removed immediately. The report urges the House Judiciary Committee to order a 90-day audit of the FBI's recruitment practices to introduce legislation to strengthen the oath of office for FBI agents and to call on Director Ray to testify before Congress over whether he is, quote, willfully lying to conceal significant deficiencies, end quote, in recruitment or has been misinformed by subordinates. A spokesman for committee chairman Jim Jordan said the panel was evaluating the report, quote, we are thankful that these brave FBI officials have come forward with this report and describe some of the ridiculous things that are happening at the Bureau. We will continue to work with these officials so we can further implement the proper legislative changes. The authors want to remain anonymous because Roberta Kaplan will sue them with money from the pedophile Reed Hoffman. That's not actually written at the New York Post. The authors want to remain anonymous because those still serving know they will be crushed like whistleblowers before them, says one of the authors. And so, ladies and gentlemen, your president is falling asleep at a wheel. And you might take some comfort in that because you actually wouldn't want him to be in charge, probably. And, uh, you know... <laughs> And the FBI is an affirmative action program, which uh, doesn't care if its uh, if its special agents are on drugs or mentally ill. As a matter of, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say they don't care. They care very much, and they prefer it that way. You see, if you're fat and addicted to drugs and mentally ill, there's a pretty good possibility that you're transgender. In which case, you're like the diversity, you know. You straighten the whole thing out for your whole department that way. So we'll make you, you know, we'll put you in charge. Look out, Christopher Ray. They're going to put Emily Gorsensky in your job.
pedophiles, they fund, you know, cabals of Jewish lesbians to go sue every decent person in the country. When the money gets coughed up, it goes to Joe Biden. <clears throat> and then Joe Biden gets us into a war with Iran because, you know, there's not nearly enough of that going on in the world. But, uh, you know, Trump's going to straighten it all out, I promise. <laughs> oh, my God. Why don't you, um, I'll tell you what, can you do me a favor, send me. Three extra shekels. That's that's all I'm asking. You just send me. Three extra shekels. Uh, ChristopherCantwell.net slash donate. Uh, com slash donate. Edgy Chris is my cash tag for that cash app thing. Givesendgo.com slash SBM. You just go over there. Three extra shekels. That's all I'm asking for, okay? Because, you know, Reed Hoffman, he gives them the millions of dollars and they try to sue me and it's a pain in the neck. But fortunately, you know, they're not coming after that money yet. So if you want to give me some money, now would be a fine time to do it. If you, you know, if they, if they get the, you know, if they win an appeal, then, uh, you know, might be harder to give me money later on. I had to like, you know, yeah, I'm not going to say. But, you know, we'll straighten it all out one way or another. And, you know, worst case scenario. There are no more arguments to be made. Well, what are we going to do then, Stefan Molyneux? Less verbose warriors. Yeah, well, you know, that possibility exists. But we're going to do everything in our power to avoid that, right? So thank you very much for tuning in to Surreal Politics, ladies and gentlemen. We do this every Monday, 9.30 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. If you're smart enough to give me 10 bucks a month at surrealpolitics.com, so join, then you can join us for the member show on Wednesday. Failing that, we'll be back cursing up a storm on Friday for the uncensored production. And I do hope that you will join us for all of these things because we're having a blast when we're not, like, hiding under our beds cowering about World War III. So do tune in. Go send me some shekels. Three extra shekels. Yeah, just, just three of them, okay? We'll be back. We'll figure it all out. Trump will help us out. Kind of, a little bit. You know, I'm not, see, you know, obviously I might laugh. Kidding. Better hit than Biden, though, you know. Baby steps, kids, baby steps. <laughs> How about the guy who just got taken to the cleaners by these lunatics becomes president of the United States? If he's mad at them, then maybe he'll give them some trouble. What do you think? You think that might help? I think it would.